Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back. Hour three here on uh, 710 ESPN LA. Nina Marks with you. It is Bet LA. We're going to spend this hour doing a deep dive into uh, both the, uh, the Chargers and the Rams matchup. Um, of course, you've got a Chargers team on Monday night getting ready to take on a Denver Broncos team with a lot of question marks. Uh, the Chargers are favored by five, five and a half in some places. Uh, and the over-under is at 45 and a half. Without further ado, Jeff Legwald joins us here. He does a phenomenal job covering the Denver Broncos for ESPN. Jeff, good evening. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your evening to join us. Really do appreciate it. Uh, first things first, let's dive into Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, where does he stand right now? You know, reports are he's got a torn lat, uh, but from everything that I understand that he's been able to practice and he will give it a go Monday night against the chargers. Is that correct? That That is correct. He's, he's practiced every day with this injury. They've officially listed him as limited each day, but, uh, I think he's taken almost the usual number of snaps with the starters, and it does not uh, really hinder his, his throwing motion. I think it's more of an issue uh, if he gets hit or you know has to break his fall or, or something like that if he's sacked. I mean, when it comes to throwing the ball, he's, he he looks fine, and, and you know uh, Nathaniel Hackett said uh, today that. You know, he, he expects him to be pretty close to 100% as he moves along here. Uh, you know, let's bigger picture here, right? Like, you know, Jeff, a, a number of us were expecting bigger and better with Russell Wilson coming to Denver, and, and, and we were expecting a more explosive offense, and obviously it's not what we've seen. What, what do you feel the issues are with this Denver Broncos offense, and, and, and what are they struggling with? <laughs> Mostly... Uh... They don't score touchdowns, which I think has been a. Uh, it's pretty hard to win games. Uh, you know, it's it's they have six touchdowns on offense all season. They've only scored five points in the third quarter of all their games combined, and and two of those were on a safety uh, from the defense. So uh, they it they have the oddest combination I've seen in a long time. They 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 are tied for the league lead and explosive pass plays uh, and they're last in the league in red zone offense. So uh, they have plenty of big plays. They just don't score any points off them. So it's, it's been a really odd situation. Uh, it's the troubles are really inside the opponent's 20. They just have not converted any of the drives and they've been pretty bad on first down. So they, they have, just this again this odd mix of at times they're the most explosive uh play producing offense in the league and and other most of the other time they can't get the ball in the end zone and it's and it's all of the above it, you know part of it's wilson part of it's hackett and wilson being on the same page uh some of it's the wide receivers not in the same you know 
in the timing and and in the right spot where they need to be. I mean, the the learning curve on this offense, the scheme, which is kind of Mike Shanahan's playbook, you know, through Matt LaFleur and McVay and off that tree, but it all traces back to Mike Shanahan. And, and, you know, John Elway has told me many times that he felt like it took him a half a season his first year with Mike. I uh, you look at Aaron Rodgers' first year with LaFleur, uh, I think it's easy to forget after two MVP awards, you know, Rodgers had nine games his first year with LaFleur with one or zero touchdown passes, and, and he had two games that season where he didn't even complete 50% of his passes. So uh, the learning curve is tough because of the timing. The payoff is, once you get it figured out, it, it is one of the best schemes going, and it's why so many people are running some version of it today. Uh, it's it's really interesting, especially since we're seeing, you know, this might surprise some folks, but the Seattle Seahawks have arguably, statistically, the second-best offense in the NFL behind the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and meanwhile, it's, it's being run by, of course, uh, Geno Smith, um, who was the backup quarterback, um, and, and here Russell Wilson again comes to Denver and, and is struggling. So, you know, uh, and, and let's talk about Nathaniel Hackett for a second, because a lot of people thought that the reason the Denver Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett is because they thought that he would be the key to lure, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers away from the Green Bay Packers to come here. Is, is, is there any truth behind that? Do you feel that beyond, um, his qualifications, uh, because there's been some question marks in regard to his clock management and in, in, in a number of things that maybe he's just not ready for this job, but the Denver Broncos felt like, man, if we hire him, we've got a really good shot of landing Aaron Rodgers. Is there any truth to that? No, Anita, I don't think there is. And I've talked, I've spoken to, you know, everybody who had some decision-making power in that, you know, it is, he was hired before the new ownership group was in place. Uh, but at the time, by the time he is hired, uh, they are really already on track to, to get Wilson. And so uh, I think Nathaniel Hackett would have been the choice for head coach, no matter who the quarterback was. And, by January, they had already decided in-house with the Broncos that they believed the Packers were going to keep Aaron Rodgers and it wasn't even going to be a, a consideration by, by that point. Because, you know, he's hired in mid-January and, you know, by the time they go to the Combine a month later, they're, they're down to specifics in the Wilson trade. So, uh you know, the, the Rodgers thing didn't have anything to do with his hiring. He was their choice and would have been their choice uh, no matter what they did at quarterback. You know, the rest of it is that is also true. You know, that they were a clock game management disaster uh, in the first two weeks and had to take an, an almost unprecedented step to hire another assistant coach in the third week of the season to – to help with clock management. They hired, they lured Jerry Rosberg, who used to be John Harbaugh's assistant head coach and special teams coach until he retired 
in 2018, uh, they lured Rosberg out of retirement uh, to be sort of the clock management timeout guy on the headset. And so it's been a little bit of a transition for Hackett. You know, I think he's done what I've seen a lot of first-time head coaches do. Uh, They don't really understand it's a a democracy Monday through Saturday, and on Sunday it has to be a dictatorship. Uh, The head coach has got to make the calls, and he can't have too many people in in his ear when he's doing it. It's, it's, it's been, it's, uh, you know, it's been surprising, you know, uh, in, in regard, I was expecting, you know, in fact, I, uh, I, I put a, a wager down that all four teams in this division would make it to the playoffs. And I got that at 11 to one. Um, obviously was I way off with Denver and the Raiders? That's for sure. Um, but, um, but if you can, um, let's talk about some of the injuries and, and what we can expect in this matchup against the chargers on, on Monday night. Talk about this offensive line. Um, from what I understand, the left tackle now is injured. So what is, what is the offensive line going to look like? Well, right now they've, they've actually got two, the, one of their guards, Quinn Minert has been hurt most of the season. And, yeah, Garrett Bowles, uh, who was an all-pro uh, two years ago, uh, will miss the rest of the year. He, he fractured his leg, so uh, he's out for the rest of the year. That, that's that's going to be a tough one for them because was, he was sort of the one given uh, in the offensive line as they worked through all this. So they're going to have to uh, – they haven't really even decided yet who's going to play in that spot. They've got a couple of options and can move some people around. But I think ultimately it means you're going to see a lot more two tight end and two back looks from them. And, and I think, honestly, that will help them with some of their other struggles unintentionally because they've, they've been better in those formations. Uh, they've been better when Wilson's under center. Uh, instead of in the shotgun. So that I think the fact Bowles is injured means they're going to have to do more of those other things where they've been better uh, be, just to sort of keep keep things under control up front. Jeff, thank you so much for spending some time with us this evening. I really do appreciate it and, and shedding some light uh, in regard to, uh, you know, all the turmoil and in, in, in what's going on with Denver. So pretty much uh, just to sum it up, you know, just have patience because this uh, this offense that they're running takes a minute to digest and be able to execute is, is, is pretty much what I'm walking away from our conversation. Yeah, like I say, there's been an awful lot of great quarterbacks who had a hard time adjusting to it. I mean, you know, when Elway tells you it took him a half a season, I think that's pretty telling because, you know, he was he was pretty far along in his career by the time Shanahan gets here in 95, so... Uh, and I went back and looked at all the, the Packers games from 2019, LaFleur's first year there with Rodgers, and it it was totally different than the, than the MVP season. So, again, it's, uh, you know, and, and, but the deal is, you know, when you, when you make the splash the Broncos did and Wilson and Hackett all involved, they, they didn't say there was going to be any growing pains uh, even though I tried to warn people, but uh, they were, you know, they brought this on themselves in a lot of ways because they were they were talking Super Bowl in August, and and this this is what happens to you when you start two and three after saying all that.
Jeff, thank you so much. Again, Jeff Legwald joining us here on, uh, on, on Bet LA, 710 ESPN LA. A lot to digest, a lot to unpack. When we come back, I'll share with you how am I playing this Monday night game. We'll do that next here on 710 ESPN LA. It is Bet LA. Nita Marks with you here on 710 ESPN LA. We just heard from Jeff Legwald uh, giving us a little inside scoop on what's going on with the Denver Broncos. And um, Tyler, Rebecca, would love for you to chime in here. You know, I don't know about you, but like definitely one of the most surprising storylines to me this season is, you know, how anemic uh, this Denver Broncos offense is. Listen, their defense is is pretty great. Um and I'm going to get into how I'm going to be playing this Monday night game, but uh, their their defense, best red zone defense in the NFL, opponents are only scoring 10% of their possessions when they get into the red zone. Their defense is, is pretty solid. Uh, the big problem here has been Russell Wilson in this offense, and they have not been able to generate anything. And I'm loving it. it it's it's You said you're loving it? I'm, I'm loving watching Russell Wilson you know, perform at a similar level that he's been performing with the Seahawks the last couple seasons, you know, he, we all kind of saw him at a different angle. You know, he in Seattle, he was on a pedestal because he had been with the team for so long. Now that he's somewhere else where he claims he wants to be, where he feels like he's happier, and we're, we're kind of seeing his true colors, as a Seahawks fan, I'm loving it. Well, then you, I'm sure you're, you must be loving Geno Smith then. Yeah, um, he's been phenomenal. In, he's been phenomenal. In the same, in the same regard. Absolutely. Um, so, so again, you know, Russell Wilson and, and the Denver Broncos really have um, not been performing. As, uh, as Jeff shared with us, uh, Garrett Bowles, their left tackle, more than likely is not going to be able to play. So that's going to cause a, a huge issue as well. Um, as we know... Williams is out in the backfield, so now it's it's Melvin Gordon and Boone that one-two punch, and so they're they're I'm sure they're trying to find their way um, how how that is going how how they operate there in the backfield because it's not like Gordon is like a bell cow in any way shape or form. So there's that. Um, the, really, the big positive here offensively is Sutton, their wide receiver, eleven targets last week. Five for seventy-four, and um, you know th- this is a Chargers team. Unfortunately, uh, their secondary has allowed a lot of touchdowns to opposing wide receiver ones. So, especially in fantasy, whatever the case, um, I-, I do like Sutton, and-, and I'll share with you what that what that line is for him to score a touchdown on Monday night against the Chargers, that's definitely a play that I'm going to make, again, because the the Chargers one of the worst teams in the NFL against opposing teams' number one wide receivers, which Sutton is. As Legwald did share with us, uh, this is a Denver Broncos team, Nathaniel Hackett or not, Russell Wilson or not, um, they are one of the worst teams when it comes into the, when they get into the red zone, let alone getting in the red zone is one thing. Once they're there, they're only scoring a touchdown on 7%. That's it. 7% of their offensive possessions. They're scoring a touchdown in the red zone, worst in the NFL. Uh, and then, and then, as I mentioned before, they actually, their defense, one of the best red zone defenses in the NFL where opponents 
are only scoring on 10% of their offensive possessions. So not to take anything away from Justin Herbert, and listen, we've seen him play well his last two games, even with the rib issue. But a, a few a few things. So my, so my favorite play here is the under, by the way. I'm going to play the under at 45 and a half, and you can get that at minus 110. So this is a Denver Broncos team. They're only averaging 16 points a game, their last five games, okay, the season. Um, you know, their defense has is, is been quite good. Um, and so, not again, not to take anything away from Herbert, you know, or Eckler, or hopefully Keenan Allen is back in action. We'll see, fingers crossed. Um, I, on the offensive line, I, I think... Um, you know, Slayer has, has stepped in, in in a good way and filling in at that left tackle position. So there's a lot of positives going on with the Chargers. I just don't think I, because the Denver Broncos have been struggling so much. And again, we just heard from Jeff uh, talk about, how, you know, why and, and, and what great insight, right? This is why I like having the beat reporters on because they have their finger on the pulse of the team better than most. And so, you know, we could sit here and we could totally, we could blame Nathaniel Hackett. We could, we could, but, you know, I mean, just the mere fact that, that, you know, you had John Elway who took a half a season to, to get to learn and know and understand a, a system really says a lot, especially this system that we're seeing Russell Wilson try to digest and try to execute. So for all those reasons, I think the play in this matchup is the under at 45 and a half. Okay. Um, in, in regard to, I'm, I'm trying to see if there's any, because it's a Monday night game, there's not a lot of prop bets that are out yet. Unfortunately, I was looking to see if, if maybe the touchdown prop bets are out yet and they're not. Um, the rushing and receiving prop bets are out. Austin Eckler over under 57 and a half rushing yards. Uh, I am I am going to take the over here. If there's one thing that the Denver Broncos defense is not exceptional at, and that is stopping the run. Uh, running backs are averaging over five yards per carry against the Denver Broncos rushing defense. They're ranked 27th in the NFL. And of course, last week, Eckler with 109. Let's marinate in that for a minute, right? 199 yards and two touchdowns, 173 rushing yards for Austin Eckler, really unbelievable. So, um, so just the mere fact that his rushing total right now is 57 and a half. Are you kidding me? I'm totally playing the over there for sure. Um, Cortland Sutton over under 67 and a half receiving yards. Um, like I said, he's, he's getting the lion's share of targets. It's evident the relationship between him and Russell Wilson is pretty solid and the chemistry has already been developed. The fact that he's getting, he's averaging 11 targets a game, granted five for 74, but, um, but I do believe uh, Cortland Sutton over 67 and a half receiving yards is the way to go. Uh, this is not a Chargers defense that has been great against opposing wide receivers. Um, in fact, they're one of the worst secondaries against teams, number one wide receiver. So, uh, so those are definitely two prop bets I'm going to play. Uh, the touchdown totals are not out yet. 
or else I would share those with you. But again, I think the play in this game more than anything, I lean towards the Chargers at minus five, minus five and a half in some places. But I think the play in this game is the under at 45 and a half. When we get back, uh, we're going to hear from David Newton. He covers the Carolina Panthers. We'll get from him what's going on with Carolina. As, as we know, Matt Rule, um, Matt Rule has been uh, let go. So there's an interim coach. Wilkes is there now. Uh, also, Baker Mayfield's not expected to play. P.J. Uh, Walker is expected to play. So we'll get an update from uh, David. What exactly Rams fans uh, can expect from the Carolina Panthers. Welcome back to bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. And of course the Rams have a big one coming up and that's going up against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the gentleman who covers the team, of course, David Newton joins us here uh, on bet LA to give us an inside um, peek behind the curtain of, of all the drama, right, surrounding the Carolina Panthers. Uh, David, first things first, um, I, I actually, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Matt Rule. Uh, he had a cup of coffee here in New York with the Giants at one point in time before he accepted the job to go to Carolina. And the man could not have been uh, nicer to me. So um, I, I understand the struggles. I understand uh, the lack of production and, and why he had to go. It just kind of makes me a little sad. Um uh, your your thoughts on this team making the change and letting Matt Rule go uh, at this yeah, point I mean, in the season? Yeah, Matt Matt's a super nice guy. Um, I think he's still a good coach. The problem is he never could find a franchise quarterback, and, and that was a big issue for this team. They they had a defense that was playing well last year, and again this this year, and played well enough probably to win some games, but the quarterback just never played well enough to get the offense over the hump and. Uh, that's been the, the major problem here for, for quite a while, even before Matt. I mean, ever since Cam Newton began having injuries back in 2018. Um, yeah, I mean, it, and it's just, it's, it's, and isn't it amazing, though? I mean, where, where Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield were both drafted, yet still, <laughs> you know, can't produce in the NFL. Really unbelievable. So here we are um, heading into, of course, this game against the Rams. And P.J. Walker will be the starting quarterback, 2-0 in his two starts. And, and point differential, 54-10. to 10. He helped an offense put together 54 points. So, you know, realistic expectations for P.J. Walker coming into this matchup against the Rams this week. Well, he's faced a pretty good defense in the Rams. I know they've struggled some this year. Uh, but but P.J.'s a guy that the – and then he played for Matt Rule in college, so – you know, for him, it's got to be especially kind of a, a little sweet star there because he, he wants the starting job. He wants to be able to play and get a chance somewhere to prove himself, but he also sad to see you know, Coach Matt Rule go. But uh, P.J.'s a guy that players rally around. I mean, as I asked P.J. Moore, their wide receiver today, why is that? He did because he's so lovable, and it's it's interesting. Uh, ever since Cam got here and you know, back in 2012, uh, Quarterback's been almost not approachable with the locker room, uh, but but PJ is a guy anybody can approach. You can talk to him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and he'd be there and answer any question you had. But he's a guy that's really mobile and, and can can make some plays. As big, uh, I guess, negative has been he throws too many interceptions. For every good play, he might make one or two bad ones, and uh, it didn't cost him in the two games he played, even though he threw two pick, uh, pick interceptions inside the uh, red zone 
in both of those games in, uh, I guess, Indianapolis a couple of years ago. But, yeah, I think he's a guy that they can win with if the defense plays up to par. And, again, the Rams' offense is not playing very well. Uh, I think they had 19 points the last couple of games and given up like a zillion sacks. So I don't think this is a total out of question that the Panthers could pull upset with DJ there. Yeah, listen, here's the thing, David. We've seen it time and time again, right? Like, it's either going to go one or two ways, right? Like, um, either a team is, is going to get, like, rejuvenated, like that B12 shot to come in, uh, you know, making the switch, uh, things, things being different, different uh, routine the week of, I'm sure, uh, wanting to make a statement. And I'm sure, as you said, and we're going to get into this Carolina Panthers defense, how well they've been playing and, and how poorly the Rams offense has been playing. But ba- based on, you know, you being around, you, you have your finger on the pulse of this team better than most. Do you feel that this change at this point in the season is more going to hurt this team as they prepare for the Rams? Or do you feel that it is going to help this team in regard to um, morale and, and whatnot? What, what are you anticipating this week? I- I think it's going to help. I mean, just looking at the locker room this week, I mean, they've been asking, having to ask questions every week. You're asking about what do you think of the coach rules, you know, is he going to survive? Is he going to be fired this week? So they haven't had to deal with that kind of thing. So they seem to be a really good attitude in the locker room. Players have moved on. They were, some, you know, were shocked a little bit on Monday when it happened, although a lot of them expected. Most of them say, yeah, they know it's a business. But usually – when this happens, it sends a message to the locker room and the players that, hey, we, we've got to do our job or we could be next. And, uh, you know, their offensive coordinator, Ben McAdoo, that said today, he said anytime your key card works when you come to the building, that's a good thing. So I, I think it's going to kind of give them a little bit of energy. I think I look at the record of, of coaches that have been replaced in, uh, in the season in the last few years and, They've gone on, the teams have gone on to win that next week quite a few times. So, again, it's, it's one of these things where the quarterback situation is not going to be anything drastically different, although they won't have Baker Mayfield, it looks like. Um, but everything else is going to be the same. But I think that they got the right guy, Steve Wilkes. He's a guy that the players really respect. And I know they respected Matt Rule. They said on Sunday a lot of players defended him. But the transition has not been awkward because there's so much respect in the locker room for Steve Wilkes. Well, we heard, you know, that uh, that Matt Rule was able to address the team. A lot of times, listen, um, we've all been there, whether we've gotten fired or we've quit. Uh, pretty much you're escorted to your your desk. You're told to pack up your stuff and exit the building right away, right? So uh, for him to be able to stay and, and, and address the team, I, I think speaks volumes in regard to the, the Carolina Panthers organization and Matt Rule as well. Um, again, David joining us here on, uh, on, on Bet LA 710 ESPN LA with a uh, behind the peak, uh, behind the curtain peak in regard to what's happening with the Carolina Panthers as they get ready to take on the Rams this week with a coach change in midweek. So, um, so let, let's talk about this Carolina Panthers defense. Top 10 in pressure rate. They blitz 33% of the time. And meanwhile, I mean, I know I'm, you already know this. I'm not breaking news here. But as you said, you know, this Rams offense has just been god-awful. They're giving up six sacks plus turnovers per game, worst in the league. Your thoughts on this Carolina Panthers defense against the Rams? I think they've got a chance. Last week uh, when they played the 49ers, they weren't at full force. They were missing three starters. 
They could be without J.C. Horn, the starting corner this week. He's got a rib issue. Uh, but when they're, they have their full allotment of talent, they're, they're pretty good defense, and they can bring the pressure. They haven't had a lot of sacks so far. They've only got eight this season, but the pressures are right up there with the best in the league, and Brian Burns is a big reason for that. And, and actually, Phil Snow, their defensive coordinator, was a big reason, I thought, that this team was in a lot of games. And he was fired, and, they, and you know, Steve Wilkes, one of the moves he made, was putting out in charge of the defense. And I'll go back to 2017 when Steve was the uh, defensive coordinator for the Panthers. And, and, you know, Sean McDermott, who went on to Buffalo, was a great defensive coordinator at Carolina. He he put a lot of pressure on quarterbacks. But when Steve Wilkes came in there that first year, it rose 17% of the time. They blitzed even more than they did with Sean McDermott. So I expect they're going to bring the pressure as much as they can to try to disrupt the Rams. And, uh, and, and hope they can hold it together. The, the big issue probably is their safety issue with Jeremy Channel and injured reserve. Uh, Xavier Woods, their other safety, missed last week's game. Um, but he should be back this week. So they should be getting closer to full speed. So I think that can keep this game very interesting. You know, let, let's talk about the matchups before we let you go. You know, it's, it's really been Cooper Cup and Higby at tight end who's really uh, stirred the uh, – been the straw that has stirred the drink for the Rams offensively. And, again, not that they've been able to do much, but nonetheless, these two individuals have. So, um, so you know, as we know, Cooper Cup runs a lot out of, the, out of the slot. In regard to matchups, how do you think Carolina – you can't stop him, but how do you try to contain him? Yeah, that's one of the things that's going to hurt if J.T. Horn can't play because they had a lot more flexibility – with him and Chin, who can move into the slot and cover the big receiver there. Uh, I, I asked Al Holcomb, a defensive coordinator today, about Cup, and he was just, you know, just couldn't say enough good things about how dynamic of a run uh, route runner he was. So that's something got to keep a close eye on and how they, how they handle that. Um, I think the way to handle that is to get a lot of pressure on Matthew Stafford right away and just make sure that, you know, that he doesn't have a lot of time to get the ball at Cooper Cup. So, um, again, that's they've, they've had some situations where they've let receivers get open for big plays this year, but not a lot. So they feel like they've kind of closed the gap on that. And I think the injury situation is going to play a big factor in how that, that's handled this week. Yeah. I mean, I mean, listen, Matthew Stafford has been pressured, but he still has been able to get the ball, right, to, uh, to, to Cooper Cup. So um, it, it's, it's got to be more than that. You know, the Rams running back situation doesn't scare anyone. Allen Robinson, last week, three for 12, still not uh, being, a, you know, making a dent in this offense. But how about the tight end? Higby, yet again, last week, 10 targets in week five. He's got 48 targets on the season. And Carolina has uh, not been terrific against tight ends. Um, how, how do you anticipate them to, uh, to try to contain Higby? That'll be an interesting matchup because you're right. They haven't been great against the, the tight end, and their own tight end hasn't been great either. So they haven't been great around the tight end all the way around. So it'll be interesting to see how they pick that matchup and how they want to handle it. I know they're going to change a few things around with a new defensive coordinator. So we haven't had like an inside look at how they're going to do that and what's going to be different. So we'll have our eyes on that as well. But um, And Chen's the guy that would have probably matched up with that tight end. Uh, and not having him is a big loss because he could line up all over the field. He played linebacker, safety, the slot corner. He can he can move it around and do everything and played it effectively. So that's that's a huge loss for this team. So anyway, they'll, they'll they're going to probably 
you know, double-edged sword there when you got Cup and the tight end. They've got to figure out one of them. And, again, I mean, the, the best way they can do that to me, I know you said that Matthew's been pressured and still got the ball to Cup, but still I think the best way to, to prevent that is to keep that pressure on yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this all pans out. Before we let you go, David, give us your game script. Um, you know, who, who wins? What's the final score? Carolina keep it close? It sounds like, you know, in our conversation here in the last 10 minutes, you seem pretty optimistic. I wouldn't say optimistic. I, I would say uh, I don't think the Rams are going to blow them out like the 49ers did last week. It almost felt like a... 49ers home game. They had so many fans in the stands at, at Carolina. So I, I think it's going to be one of those defensive struggles where it could be like a 19 to 17 game or 19 to 10. Um, I, I still think the Rams should win this game. I, I think they're due a comeback, and uh, Carolina's got to make the long trip across country. But again, it's, it's been interesting to look at the teams that have fired their coach in the season. The players have responded. It gets to kind of light the fire under them and get that energy back to say, hey, we're fighting for our job. Uh, coaches are working harder because they're fighting for their careers after this season. So uh, a lot's on the line for a lot of people. So it, it would surprise me either way if, if Carolina would have upset there, but it, I just don't think it's going to be a blowout either way. So Carolina getting 10. The over-under is at 42. Carolina on the money line is plus 380 meaning you lay $100 down, you win $380 if Carolina does pull the upset. David, thank you so much for joining us. Always uh, always a pleasure and, uh, and and appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I look forward to getting out there. You got it. You got it. David Newton joining us, uh, beat reporter for, of course, uh, the uh, Carolina Panthers for ESPN. Uh, you're listening to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. Uh, phone lines are open. Let's get your calls, uh, your thoughts on this Rams uh, Carolina Panthers game. My conversation with David, does it worry you a little bit? It's very interesting. When we see coaches who are fired, a lot of times it kind of, you know, re energizes a team, makes it different. Right? What do they have to lose? And knowing that that head coach is no longer a part of the team makes them say, hey, listen, I've, I've got to get I've got to get some good stuff on tape because whoever is going to come in and take over needs to see how I'm working hard. I, I just I, I don't I don't have Matt Rule. I don't have that coach who signed me who uh, who drafted me in my corner anymore. It changes things immensely. What say you? Anita Marks with you. Bet L A. Here on seven ten ESPN L A. Coladas. Oh, great song. Anita Marks with you. It is Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. Um, we just about have about eight minutes left in the program, so I want to recap on on all the bets and, and all the conversations we had tonight, and, and we're, we're really blessed. We had some really good guests on to give us some really great insight information and, and helping us wager smarter wager more wisely with David Newton, who covers the Carolina Panthers. Of course, we know that's the matchup for the Rams. Uh, Jeff Legwald, who covers the Denver Broncos. That's the matchup with uh, the Chargers. Um, Randy Robles from the Elias Sports Bureau, as well as Fat Jack, professional handicapper as well. So um, before we do, if you're just tuning in, maybe you missed the Thursday night game. Uh, Well, good for you because it was absolutely horrible. Uh, Washington did beat the Chicago Bears. Uh, Carson Wentz was um, just pathetic. Uh, 12 for 22, 99 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Ooh, how about that? Um, QB rating of a 22.5. Just 
horrible. Uh, really, the star of the show was Brian Robinson, and he has to be probably the star of uh, the probably the, one of the best storylines in the NFL this season. 17 carries, 60 yards, and a touchdown. So if you started him in fantasy, well, good for you. Uh, Terry McLaurin targeted four times, three receptions, 41 yards. Just horrible. I don't even want to see my fantasy roster because I do have Terry McLaurin, and I want to say in two of them. Justin Fields, 190 passing yards, a touchdown, an interception, but rushed 12 times for 88 yards, his longest of 39. Uh, and you just see he was so frustrated all night. No offensive line help, just pathetic. The, the game was really, I mean, I, I know I sound like a negative Nelly here, guys, but Tyler, Rebecca, you were watching it as well. I, I mean, it's just, I, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking the truth. Yeah, it was they're just, they're two, they're two horrible teams. Yeah, and we, we knew that coming into tonight's matchup. We knew that there wasn't much to be expected. So, uh, so that's where that stands right now. By the way, uh, are you guys following this, the situation happening in in our nation's capital with Dan Snyder and the team? And yeah, what's that the about alle- the allegations? Uh, so, so, and 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 I want to believe that 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 this is somewhat of a distraction and will be moving forward. So, so again, you guys are on on the left coast. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure if you guys have ever been to FedEx Field. I'm not sure if that's what it's still called, but the Washington Stadium is horrible. It has to be one of the worst stadiums still in existence in the NFL. And Dan wants to build a new stadium. And he's he's getting some some pushback from the owners about it. They I think there's some owners who want him to build a stadium, but he wants help to build a stadium, whether it's from the government, taxes, whatever the case. There, there's like a whole thing going on there. Okay, Uh, people don't want to go to the stadium. So the Washington team is not selling out. So, you know, keep in mind, these owners, they share profit. So other owners are losing money because of it. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's a number of people who don't want to go because they don't like Dan Snyder because of all the, um, you know, what was exposed in regard to, you know, um, him flying his best friends down to the Bahamas to hang out with the cheerleaders while they shot their their calendar. I mean, just some really shady stuff that went down uh, with Dan Snyder that now his wife has uh, a, a lot of, a lot of ownership in the team. So uh, there's just, it's just, there's just a lot going on. Well, the latest is um, he reportedly has dirt on a number of owners, Jerry Jones being one of them and Roger Goodell that he feels that if he exposes will bring them down and, and really shed a, a really horrible light on, on the league. But what's, so, the, what's the motive? Um, I think the motive is he's threatening them. Like, be in my corner. Help me work this out. He wants to put all the negative um, energy and in, in negative situation that just came out in this last year, year and a half behind him. And he wants to build a new stadium and he wants help doing so. Ah, quid pro quo. Yep. So, you know, this is, uh, this is, it's, 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 it's now, be, you know, years and years and years ago, I had Michael Irving on my radio show. He was down in Miami. This is when I was hosting sports talk radio in Miami and Michael Irving then, and this was like, I want to say late nineties, early two thousands, then said the NFL is, is more powerful than the mafia NFL owners 
and that ownership group are more powerful than the mafia. And, and that's what's being reported now with this whole thing. <laughs> what a mess. So, I know. I when, know. When are it, we going to have a season of no NFL drama? I feel like we've I, had like three, never, four, potentially never, five straight seasons now, just NFL drama. That will never happen. Let's what be honest. That will never. It is. It is a complete mess. Um, but l- let's let's end let's end on a good note. Let's let's help the people. Let's feed the people. Let's feed the people some plays and some picks and help them win some money. So uh, so first things first. Tomorrow you've got some major league baseball games taking place. Uh, again, my two plays. I like the Yankees on the money line. Uh, Nasty Nestor going up against Cleveland. Uh, he's only given up one hit in his last two starts against Cleveland. It's a really great matchup for the Yankees. I like them on the money line. And unfortunately, I don't want to upset some folks, but I do like the Padres on the run line. Not to say that the Dodgers aren't going to win, but I do like the Padres getting one and a half. Um, I, I just think Blake Snell has just been an absolute beast uh, since late September. I, I, I saw him and how he was able to just manhandle the Mets. And um, he's just been really, really good as of late where I've got some question marks uh, in regard to uh, the Dodgers and, and who they're sending to uh, the mound tomorrow. So Padres on the run line, Yankees on the money line. That's how I'm playing that. College football on Saturday, USC with the points. I think the wrong team is favored there. So give me USC plus three and a half for the Rams. I think Carolina getting the points is the way to go. Not to say that the Rams aren't going to win, but I do believe Carolina will cover, especially after our conversation with David Newton. And also for the Chargers on Monday night, I think the play there is the under, under 45 and a half in that game. The Denver Broncos offense is anemic, but their defense is quite good. And one of the best, if the not best defense in the red zone. So under 45 and a half points. Um, in that game on Monday night with the Chargers. And so uh, my best bet on Sunday, by the way, is Seattle first half minus two against Arizona. Arizona has been outscored 38 to nothing in the first quarter. And Seattle is the second best offense in the NFL. Best bet, Seattle first half minus two. So uh, this about concludes our show. I want to thank everybody, especially Tyler and Rebecca, who do a phenomenal job producing. Thank you. Appreciate you. Everybody, good luck gambling this week. This has been Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA.